Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lore Club, Episode 1, Sylvanas Windrunner, the turbulent mind of an unethical war chief. Welcome to Lore Club, your World of Warcraft community podcast for stories, theories, and everything else in between. And now, here is your host, Kai Sharky Boy. Welcome everyone to the first episode of Lore Club. I am your host Kai Sharky Boy, and today we are going to discuss about the one and only Sylvanas Windrunner. For those who are not familiar, Sylvanas Windrunner is the current war chief of the Horde in the latest expansion of World of Warcraft. She has been known not only as the leader of the Forsaken, but she was the official ambassador of the Horde to convince the Blood Elves in order to join in back in the Burning Crusade, and is currently leading a campaign to eradicate the Alliance from the Eastern Kingdoms. Although recently she has been using more extreme measures of obtaining her goal for total eradication of not only the Alliance, but also the living in general. Today we are going to discuss the history and the psychology of the once cool-headed and rational Ranger General turned into the ruthless dictator she is known for today. Now I do like to note that this is actually going to be a two-parter episode. Originally I wanted to do one episode of this, but turns out that this subject was actually a little bit more bigger than I anticipated, and I understand that this is my first podcast, so chances are this wouldn't really matter in a couple of years. But I do want to tell you, yes, this is actually going to be like a two-parter episode for the first couple episodes, so... Oh boy, this is going to be quite something. I have to admit, I'm actually kind of a little bit nervous. I never really hosted a podcast before, and chances are it's probably going to be a dumpster fire. But at least it'll be an entertaining one, and I hope that you guys would actually enjoy this. If you haven't got a chance to see episode zero yet, uh, feel free to uh, check it out in the uh, Anchor app and everything. But enough with the chit-chatter. Let's go ahead and get uh, a few things straight. So before I begin, I do like to note that there's actually a few things I want to point out. First off, I have no bias for or against Sylvanas Windrunner. It is true that Sylvanas actually has done war crimes against the Alliance, but she also did war crimes against the Horde as well, which we're actually going to get a little bit into uh, once we get things started. Also, since she is currently the war chief of the of the Horde, it's actually going to be very interesting how this will all play out. Just for the sake that for both of these episodes, we're only going to be focusing mainly on Sylvanas Windrunner herself. We're not going to take a look at the Horde as a whole, which brings me to my next point. I am not going to judge the Horde's action as a whole, only on Sylvanas's action only. The reason why I actually wanted to focus mainly on Sylvanas is because throughout uh, her history and everything, she always had this very interesting way of how she's like directing her people. Not only the Forsaken, but also for other members of the Horde. So it's going to be very interesting to take a look into this. So with that out of the way, let's look into Sylvanas Windrunner, the mind of an unethical war chief. So, to understand Sylvanas' origins during her living years, we have to take a look at the Windrunner family as a whole. Not much is known about the Windrunner family before Sylvanas' time, but the House of the Windrunner were known to raise the best military leaders to ever protect the mythical land of Quelphalos. They were known as not only master archers, but they were also survivalists, as well as master tacticians. 
Basically, they're kind of like the SWAT team of the whole alliance back in the day. One of the first ever ranger generals to ever serve in this kingdom was the mother of the three Windrunner sisters themselves, which is known as Lilith Windrunner. Now, there's actually kind of a very interesting thing that I actually discovered while researching this. I did notice that there's hardly any information about Sylvanas' father or any other father that happened beforehand. And you might be thinking to yourself, oh, well, maybe the father just, you know, got killed or maybe they abandoned them. But here's the thing. The thing is, as I was looking through the Windrider family tree, I kind of realized there's no information about it. It's weird. I mean, I it's completely understandable that if the writers don't want to put Sylvanas' dad in for, for continuity in instances or maybe integrated him in a different way. But the thing is, is that besides Lilith, who was attacked by the Armani trolls, the fate of Sylvanas' father was still kind of unknown. Did they abandon the fam Windrunner family? Did something happen? That's something that I think that might be interesting to go into. In fact, I think maybe in the future of this current expansion, the Battle for Azeroth, I bet there might be like a little hint about what... Sylvanas' father did or something. I'm not much of a psychologist or a family therapist, but there is something very interesting about this. Because some people might, well, maybe a character like Sylvanas doesn't need a father figure to succeed. And while that statement is true, it does leave the fact that a lack of a father figure can lead to long-lasting psychological effects. So take, for example, Anduin and his relationship with his father, Varian. Now, Anduin, not only did he gain leadership skills and also the, the tactical knowledge in order to lead his people, but he actually learned how to become emotionally strong through his father, and also kind of like how he is able to become more of a diplomat than a warlord. Another example how a father figure could actually be very important to a character would be Garrosh Hellscream, where his father actually helped uh, molded him into the war chief that he was known for, and also for the ruthlessness and also the racism against the other orcs, who, who took Manamoth's blood. So in case of Sylvanas, the fact that she never really had like a father figure or a lack of a positive male uh, figure outside of Nathanos, it kind of leads a lot of interesting questions. So after her mother was killed in that ambush, there wasn't really much information about Sylvanas' upbringing as becoming a ranger general of Quel'Thalas. In fact, a lot of the training seems to be glanced over. Now, it could be true that maybe she might be just be naturally talented and doesn't really need that much instruction. But the fact that her mother was also not there either, it also there's also kind of like seemed to be a lack of guidance through the morality of like where she's going through. Not to mention that... During that time, during the Second War, her sisters were basically just abandoned uh, Sylvanas in order to in order to do their own thing. For example, Illyria would just end up just joining the Alliance expedition, never to be seen again. But there was also uh, Vanessa Windrunner who actually joined Ronin and Dalaran. All the while, Sylvanas just decided just to stay behind and just defend Quel'Thalas on her own. Now, the separation of her sisters might be the start of Sylvanas' trust issues, but the true extent of her troubling past began with the rot of a certain someone with a dangerous magical blade. 
Before we go any further, I would like to give a quick history lesson of how the plague reached Quelphalos and how the Lich King met Sylvanus. During the Third War, Arthas Menefil, the Prince of Lordaeron, was investigating a plague that had recently affected the local town of Anderhal. After defeating a necromancer known as Kel'Thuzad, Arthas discovered that there was a shipment of grain that was infected with the plague heading straight for Strathlone. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to make it there in time, and everyone within the city was, was infected with this plague. And Arthas had no choice but to essentially purge the entire city. This leaves Arthas to take an expedition to the frozen continent of Northrend to chase down the demon lord that caused this whole mess, and finding the blade known as Frostmourne. While the blade that Arthas found defeats said demon lord, it starts to slowly corrupt him and become the Lich King that we know today. He then returned to his kingdom of Lordaeron only to murder his father and continue his crusade of undeath across the land. Eventually, Arthas would end up on Sylvanus' kingdom of Quelphalas and begin his march over to the fountain of power known as the Sunwell to resurrect Kel'Thuzad as a lich. But before Arthas could reach the Sunwell, Sylvanus blocked his path into the kingdom and faced him in battle to defend her kingdom. Unfortunately, despite her valiant efforts to defend her home, she was eventually taken down by the undead prince. Unfortunately, despite her valiant efforts to defend her home, she was eventually taken down by the undead prince. Before she passed, however, she requested a clean death. But what Arthas did next would forever change the ranger general. Forever. This is the moment that really defines Sylvanas as the undead banshee that we truly know today. When she was resurrected by Arthas and transformed into a banshee to serve the Scourge, the magical and psychological side effects really started to show almost right away. The moment that her soul was disconnected from her body and trapped within Frostmourne, she became this tortured soul that was used as a weapon against her own people. The moment when her soul was disconnected from her body and trapped within Frostmourne, she became this tortured soul that was used as a weapon against her own people. The fact that she was essentially kind of like transform into a weapon in order to murder her own people just for the sake that she was just murdered by someone it really can affect someone it really can affect them not only morally but also through a psychological stance think about this what if you kind of became this monster that murdered your whole entire family killed all your friends became basically became this giant monster that like destroyed everything how would you feel if you were it, you were turned into that? The guilt would probably be with you forever. So eventually Arthas was able to complete his mission of, of resurrecting Kel'Thuzad and gained a new lieutenant for his unholy army. As time went on, Sylvanas was able to get her body back as well as her own squadron of banshees to control. One by one, the human settlements of the new plague lands began to crumble and almost all seems lost. But then something very peculiar happened that would grant Sylvanas freedom from the Lich King's grasp. As the campaign goes by, Arthas was suddenly starting to lose his power to control the undead. Apparently the Burning Legion, the ones behind the creation of the Lich King, began to suspect that the ancient spirit of Ner'zhul that lied within the armor itself was conspiring against the Legion by overthrowing his Dark Masters. So the Nathrezim, who are the demon lords who were controlling the armor at the time, began to drain the power of the Lich King up on Northrend, and Arthas began to lose his power. With Arthas's power weakening day by day, suddenly, Sylvanas was able to gain her free will. 
and the voice of the Lich King that was controlling her went silent. With this newfound freedom, she was able to recruit one of the demon lords to help stop Arthas from controlling more of the plague lands, banished the demons from Lordaeron, and founded a new faction of undead soldiers known as the Forsaken. She also started to experiment with necromancy and founded the Dark Rangers to continue the hunt for Arthas. As she continued on in leading her new people, eventually they joined the Horde thanks to the Tauren Hamul Runetotem and began the long process of being integrated to this new society. Things were a little bit more quieter after Forsaken joined the Horde. At first, things were more neutral towards one another due to the past skirmishes that they had and some of the bad blood that was probably spilt. But then they started to become more integrated into the Horde through their military service and trade. Yet, there was always this tension between certain members of the Horde and the Forsaken, which we'll probably get more into later in Part 2. But for now, let's continue on with our story right over here. So five years passed since Arthas disappeared into the frozen wastes and was sat upon the frozen throne. But when we started the expansion of Wrath of the Lich King, suddenly we start to see Sylvanas confront her past once again to take down his former master once and for all. When the Forsaken army sailed into Northrend during this time, a new organization was formed known as the Royal Apothecary Society. Underneath the leadership of Apothecary Putris, their goal was to develop a new plague to eradicate the Scourge from Azeroth and stop Arthas from taking over the world. But what the Horde didn't know was that the blight they were developing did not only infected the undead, but it also eradicated all life that breathed its fumes. This was the first warning signs that the Forsaken was using biochemical warfare to gain power above their superiors. That fact was especially clear when Putris was the first to kick the hornet's nest of unleashing the Blight onto the Scourge, Alliance, and Horde soldiers during the Wrathgate incident. For those who are not familiar with Wrathgate, here is a quick little summary. Wrathgate was this battle that gone wrong, where essentially it, where the Alliance and Horde decided to tackle the, the one gateway into Ice Crown through Dragon Blight. Unfortunately, it did not really go as planned since the Lich King was actually there waiting for them. And all seems to be lost un until Putris actually came out of the shadows and started to inflict everyone with this blight. And it did take care of the Scourge, but it also infected everyone else around them. So basically what happened was, was that the Forsaken had a very big PR problem with this. They basic Basically what Putris did, he basically used his biological warfare in order to essentially eradicate all life and just leave the Forsaken to do their own thing. Of course, when Sylvanas heard the news about the Wrathgate, she had to get rid of Putris. Fast. So she joined in with Thrall and Vol'jin to stop the traitors of Putris and the demon lord Vardamus from causing more destruction all over Azeroth. After the first battle of the Undercity, the Horde sent over the Kromguard to keep an eye on not only the Banshee Queen, but also the Forsaken's operation as a whole to prevent the production of plight that caused this whole mess. So this was the first instance that Sylvanas was pointed out of using unethical practices to gain more power. With all this tension from the constant supervision and the stress from the Northrend campaign, this can only spiral Sylvanas's morality down further and further and further and further. Eventually, all of her efforts to finally end the suffering of her past would come crashing down. Near the end of the Northrend campaign, Sylvanas would eventually return to Northrend to confront his old master, Arthas. In the Halls of Reflection instance, 
We, the adventurers, see Sylvanas' trauma come back to haunt her once again when she tried to commune with the blade Frostmourne. The same blade that not only transformed her into the Banshee Queen that we know today, but also corrupted and killed off most of her people. And while she was trying to commune with the blade, she actually ran into the soul of Uther the Lightbringer, who was trapped inside the blade for all this time, ever since his death. For the first time since her undeath, she felt this uneasiness that really kind of haunted her to this day, being trapped in that godforsaken sword. What transpired was a conversation between the Banshee Queen and the spirit about how to defeat the Lich King on top of the Frozen Throne. Eventually, the Lich King came in, and we see Sylvanas and Arthas going at each other before eventually retreating outside the Citadel. After the brave adventurers defeated Arthas on top of the Ice Crown Citadel, Sylvanas caught wind that her former master had finally fallen, and the blade was shattered. Of course, there always has to be a Lich King in order to keep all the undead in control. So, Tyron Fordragon, who was slain during the Raftgate incident, took the crown upon himself to become the Jailer of the Damned to prevent the Scourge from leaving Northrend ever again. When Sylvanas finally saw Fordragon on top of the Citadel, she knew that her duty was done. There was only one path that she wanted to take to finally feel satisfied and to leave all this behind. And that was permanent death. So she decided to jump off the Citadel and land on one of the Serenite Spikes, where she would eventually die for the second time. And normally, this is where it should have ended. But no, there is more. When her soul was floating around in the darkness of death, she was finally able to rest for what seemed like an eternity. But then suddenly, she was offered a vision of her fate. Her body was burning in a turtle hellfire, and she only felt agony of screams from the countless souls that she had corrupted over the years. She was basically in her own personal hell. Just when it seemed she would burn in Azeroth's hell for all eternity, an angel suddenly appeared in the form of the Valkyr. Now the Valkyr made a deal with Sylvanas. The deal was that one of the Valkyr would take her place in Hell if they allowed a position within the Forsaken as their new necromancers. She agreed and was revived back to the mortal realm. So there was a really big debate when she was revived from, from, back from the dead about whether or not this deal actually happened or not. For you see, there was one kind of big culprit that actually kind of caused this. And that culprit was the Serenite Spikes. Now, here's a little side note for Serenite. So Serenite is basically a material that, that's found primarily within the continent of Northrend. That is also known as the Blood of Yogg-Saron. Now, for those who are not familiar with Yogg-Saron, he is known as the Old God of Death. But the thing is, is that his blood was actually kind of known in order to make people go really insane. Essentially, if you ever touch this material with your bare hands, or if you're ever struck down by one of its, or if you've ever been struck down by one of the weapons made from Serenite, some people actually, the ones who actually touch the metal would slowly start to actually cause hallucinations of death and chaos. And also, it can cause many different behavioral changes. In fact, this is also the same material that Frostmourne was actually made out of. The same material that actually corrupted the, that actually corrupted Arthas as well as Sylvanas over time. So some might say this is actually the smoking gun that might have caused this whole mess. But again, we'll get more into that in part two. For now, 
let's finish this off. So after the resurrection from Northrend, the world-shaken event known as the Cataclysm shook the very core of Azeroth and weakened the gates of Gilneas. Now, Sylvanas actually saw this as an opportunity to claim the port city in the name of the Horde and gain approval of the new war chief at the time, Garrosh Hellscream. With their new allies of the Valkyr and the reinvigorated Forsaken army, Sylvanas began her campaign against Gilneas and would meet a new lifelong enemy to fuel the fire for her hatred for the Alliance. So this is the end of part one for Sylvanas Windrunner episode. Of course, I could go more into detail, but this project is actually a little bit more bigger than I can chew. And I also wanted to start releasing episodes, so think of this as like part one. There's definitely going to be a part two, and a part three, I it may be possible. But for now, we're just going to leave it at that. I hope you guys enjoy the first episode. Hope to see you guys very soon. Thanks for listening to Lore Club. If you want to see some updates, put in a suggestion for a new topic, or you just wanted to say hi, follow me at KaiSharkyBoy on Twitter. You can also find me at Cast and Call Club for any of your voiceover needs. And feel free to stop by by my website at sharkyboystudios.wordpress.com for blog updates and more. And remember, I'll see you soon.